got to be a youth pastor season two. We are up and running. Uh, Kyle and Derek back with everybody, and we could not be more excited to We're be back, here. We're back, baby. Oh, yeah. We are so excited. Back for another season of shenanigans, of tomfoolery, yeah. of maybe a little wisdom. It, it's not it's not guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination, but we're we're hoping that uh, you guys are along for our, just a fun ride. Our fans have been just chomping at the bit. Our, I, I know I've had people out. We front have of my fans. House. Yeah, <laughs> they're picketing in yeah, front of your yeah. house. Get it back. Get it back. <laughs> well, they uh, yeah. Um, there were like twelve political thoughts that ran through my mind, but we're just gonna go with. Thank you for restraining they, yourself. They wanted. There. They wanted the podcast back. What can we say? No, we are super excited uh, to be back. Uh, weekly episodes every Thursday for our listeners here at the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Uh, we learned a lot over the summer about how not to be a youth pastor. We did. And so we want to uh, continue to share our story uh, with you guys, our international audience. Uh, and uh, we're really excited to about that. We've got a lot of things coming in season two. Uh, and we're going to start off right away with uh, something that I think is hopefully going to ruffle some feathers. But yeah. our goal is to get the conversation going, start talking about it, and hopefully come out the other side with uh, with a better answer. I feel like something that we've kind of just like unofficially decided is like, we're going to push the envelope this, this oh, season, yeah. you know, it's happening. Like, like even the way we phrase our episodes are kind of like where I love when you, when you see an episode or a, a podcast episode titled something and you go, huh, I wonder what that's going to be about. Like it kind of just gives that excitement that you have before you start a movie or a show. And I kind of feel like that's what we, listen, <laughs> we started to install. Listen, the, the clickbait Ted title headlines for yep. our episodes will be strong oh, in yeah. season two. Something I will say as well, and I, I'm speaking for Kyle on this, but I would love for this season to be really, I mean, we always cater these to our listeners. I mean, Kyle and I, we have no problem talking just, just clearly, <laughs> but, um, I think what I've loved during this like little summer break was how many just different people reached out and said, Hey, um, I actually listened to this. And so thank you for this. And, and so I'll say this from my perspective, I know you feel the same Kyle. If there's anything at all you want to talk about, even if it's just a quick email, say, Hey, can you touch on this or whatever it might be? Be sure to shoot us an email at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com because we truly do want to listen and hear what you guys want to hear and have us dialogue. It's not to say we have all the answers, but we're going to pretend that we do. Absolutely. We love getting ideas for quick questions or for uh, entire episodes. Yeah. Uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, we do not have the next four years of episodes all planned out already. Uh, we're youth pastors. We're just kind of winging this as we go. Yep. And so um, we'd absolutely love to hear from you guys. But speaking of quick questions, we, of course, are bringing those back for season two. And we are starting off with probably the most important quick question we will ask yep. all season. Derek, how excited are you for football to start tonight? Is it a scale of one to 10? Uh, sure. hundred. Nice. Yep. That seems appropriate. Yep. I, what I have loved, I consider this to be one of the highlights of my life up to this point. Mind you, I am married and have kids and am in ministry, but um, I have converted my wife to be a football fan. Uh, when we first got together, it drove her nuts about how invested I was into this little game called football. And we've now progressed to a spot in which 
my wife Meg is lobbying to be in a fantasy league with me. Yeah. She's excited about it. She gets competitive. She's like legitimately all fall. She is planning for us to come home from church and watch football all day and have people over and have food. So it's a big deal that that my wife is now a football believer, and uh, I'm in three fantasy leagues. I plan to have every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday have football on. Dude, I am I am like a little kid hopped up on sugar right now, waiting for the football season to. It's here. It's it's happening tonight. It's it finally is. here. We're we're excited for it. How much of her fandom in football now is related to like she just really likes it? And how much of it is I want to be in fantasy leagues with Derek so that I can pummel him? I mean, it's a little bit of both, okay. quite honestly. Yeah, that she, makes sense. She, she's fallen in love with the game, but uh, her pure motivation being in fantasy at this point is to... Like she doesn't want to be in a league without you. That would defeat the purpose. Right, right. Yeah, I obviously. Mean, I think it's prudent for us to admit here, Kyle, that you and I once were in a fantasy league with both of our wives. Mind you, you I was I, I was actually going to bring this up. Okay. You, you mentioned that you know your wife, you're proud of the fact that your wife uh, is into football now. Yep. Uh, by the way, I was going to ask: Is hunting next? Like getting her into hunting? That's uh, never going to happen. <laughs> that that is never going to happen. Uh, well, we tried. Yeah. Um. No. Yeah. So my wife is is not a big uh, sports person. She's not competitive very very often. Uh, but, uh, we, the four of us, Derek and I, and our wives were in a fantasy football league, I think two years ago. Yep. And my wife won. And who was in the championship with her? Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not us. No, nope. that's for sure. Uh, but that is, I, I am very proud of the fact that my wife has won a hundred percent of the fantasy football leagues that she has ever been yep. in. Uh, she has talked ever since that day about retiring, uh, you know, she's, she's one and oh, she is good yeah. to go. Uh, and, and that does make me rather proud, uh, that, uh, that my wife has just some amazing fantasy football skill. Um, but you mentioned you're in three leagues, which is Bush league. I'm in six. I was going to ask. Um, and, uh, although I will say, uh, so first of all, we do a youth league, like with our youth ministry, youth students, youth leaders, uh, it's open to anybody related to our youth ministry that wants to be in it. Uh, so I'm excited about that one. Derek and I have a league that we've been in together for, uh, a couple of years now. Uh, it's, it's actually been going for like five or six years. Derek joined the last two. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, and got, that one's like hardcore. Like there's someone in there who actually writes fantasy football columns professionally. And that's true. We actually, I, I create a weekly video, uh, for yes, that league, do. which is basically just taunting and making fun of all of the other people in the it league. It is the most but. biased video that could possibly be produced <laughs> because you, you only like toot your own horn and never talk about your team in a negative light, but. Listen, uh, <laughs> there's a very simple solution to this, Derek. Make your own videos. Uh, you could you could say whatever you want. It's it's called it's called journalism. You can write whatever you want, and it can be fact, and it's awesome. Nobody would listen. That's the problem. Well, that's nobody does listen to the videos I make. <laughs> that's fine with me. Uh, but enough about football. Uh, we are seven and a half minutes into uh, this season, and we've talked n- absolutely nothing about ministry. Just par for the course. Uh, no, it does really sound about right. Our listeners know to just skip to like the ten minute mark in every episode, and that's when we really get going. Yep. Um, no, <laughs> today uh, to kind of kick off our 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 controversial season two. Um, we want to talk about something that is a staple in most 
ministries, most churches, most youth ministries, uh, and that is the salvation call. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that a salvation call, like like the salvation of students, is like basically the whole point of youth ministry. Yep, it's the whole point of church, mm-hmm. right? Salvation. We we want to win people for the kingdom. Yep. You know, I don't I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But the question that we want to ask here today is: Are we doing salvation calls wrong? Uh, you know, there every a lot of people do them differently, but there are main themes that you'll see in many churches when it comes to salvation calls. And we want to ask the question today: Is there a better way to do it? Right, because that you know the the common way that you would do this, right, is if you're a part of any youth ministry, really any ministry context. When it comes to this moment at the end of the message, usually the band's back up. You got that like emotional. You got like music. the pads going uh-huh. on the keyboard. Yep. Right, and and so like. We, we've been, if you've been in ministry before, you've seen this, but you have everyone close their eyes, right? And then the pastor says something along the tune of, you know, if you've never had this relationship with Jesus before, if you want to rededicate your life to it, you know, with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, all this good stuff, you know, raise your hand if you want that, you know, um, you know, sometimes I've seen pastors who will go through this and same kind of idea. They close their eyes, everyone bows their heads and the pastor leads everyone in a prayer and everyone repeats after them something along the lines of, you know, Hey, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus, please forgive me. Uh, would you come into my life? Would you be my savior? Uh, whether, so that the, the benefit to that is whether it's someone who's praying it for the first time and is a little unsure of it, or it's someone who's done it before there's kind of that familiarity. You don't feel as exposed or whatever. Yeah, That unity almost. Cause a right. lot of times they'll have everybody say the prayer. Yep. Uh, cause I mean, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Be my savior. Like, yep. That I that's still true for me. I could pray that prayer today right. and mean every word of right. it. I still want Jesus. The, the, all the, all three of those things are true. Yep. But it gives that opportunity for that person to kind of audibly uh, pray that for the first time. And and sometimes both of those are combined too. You'll see the hand raising, yep. and then we're all going to pray this prayer. Uh, you know, in short, a salvation call is kind of a mass offering for people to follow Jesus. Uh, yep. Is is basically what it is. And so I want to start at the very beginning, uh, in the beginning, beginning, uh, where did these kind of salvation calls like these mass salvation calls, where did they originate from? And as far as my Wikipedia research can show, uh, I didn't use Wikipedia. I would have been, I would have been um, happy if you did. No, ask Jeeves. Uh, (laughs) Do you remember ask Jeeves? (laughs) I forgot that like existed this little, until right now. This little electronic butler that'll go and get your answer to your question. You, you literally just pulled out a morsel of nostalgia <laughs> that I didn't know I was missing until just now. Oh, man. I Yeah, I don't even know if it's still a thing anymore, but uh, good times. Ask Jeeves. We, we go to uh, uh, Ask Jeeves and ask for MySpace or you know, type there in you MySpace. There yeah. awesome. Really throwing it back. But uh, no, I as far as I could tell, like... You know whether or not salvation calls were a thing before this. You know, really the the evangelical movements and like tent revivals, like that's where uh, that's where mass salvation calls really gained a footing. You know, especially like in the nineteen throughout the eighteen hundreds into nineteen hundreds, yep. uh, you started to see this become a more popular thing. Um, and the the next question that kind of needs to be asked is are mass salvation calls even biblical? Uh, and 
because if, you know, some people would say, well, if it's not in the Bible, then we shouldn't do it. Right. Uh, and, well, and before we even go into this, I think because we went to a Pentecostal school and we heard all about Azusa Street and all that good stuff, we kind of understand what this looked like. But I think uh, Kyle's hitting on something important here, the, the context of this, but like a revival back in, I think Azusa was like 1906 19, or uh, 1904 yeah, or something. 1912, I don't know. Basically, you have, you have these tents, like these big circus style tents popping up and you have some big pastor. This was, you know, people before, or Billy Graham or that type of thing who come and deliver a message and you have people by the hundreds and thousands flocking to these you know pop-up church services where they're they're hearing about Jesus in a real way and their lives are radically changing and God's moving miracles there and and it's it's awesome it was it was super super it, it really was what kind of I think honestly was the catalyst and the footprint behind what a lot of our churches are now today but again go back to the context. You have one pastor who wants to communicate the same invitation to thousands of people, in which case, in, you know, now you're introducing, I can't pray for a thousand people one-on-one, so I'm going to give the same invitation to everybody. And that's kind of like where we get this idea from. Plus, I, I want to elaborate on that because some of yeah, you no, might that's be good. like, what the heck is a revival? Um, it's not something you do in Call of Duty. Like, this is, this is different. <laughs> Touche. Uh, yeah, Billy Graham is kind of the the perfect example of, of what we're talking about here. Um, okay, so are mass salvation calls biblical? The short answer is not really. Um, you know, people will look at uh, verses like Matthew ten thirty two, which says, "Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven." And combine that with Jesus when you know when he was calling his disciples, it was, "Hey, come follow me," and they immediately got up and and went and followed him. Yeah. And that's another thing I'll mention with the tent revivals and like Billy Graham style uh, service is a lot of times this mass salvation call would be it would be like I'm going to physically get up and go to the front of the of right. the church of mm-hmm. the service uh and so you know they'll kind of put all these things together like oh it's got to be something where you're publicly saying you know before before men that you acknowledge Jesus that's where that audible prayer yep. uh that we mentioned will come from um you know, it's it, you're basically drawing on a couple Bible verses to support this method of ministry, and so the short answer to our mass salvation calls biblical is not really, but that also does not necessarily mean that they are inherently bad. Right? Uh, you know, the U version Bible app isn't biblical either, and I think we can all agree that that's a great tool yeah. <laughs> for spreading the gospel. Uh, I think that our our method to sharing the gospel is going to change over time, but our message is what needs to stay the same. The message of Jesus Christ stays the same. The method of how we do that is always going to shift over time. What we need to do and what we are asking today is that if our method is flawed, then we need to be willing to kind of rethink things. Right. Because at the end of the day, I would say that the culmination of everything we do, whether it's youth ministry, kids ministry, ministry in general, right? Like as you alluded to earlier on in the episode, the end goal is we want people to say yes to Jesus. That That's ultimately all we're after. At the end of this life, That that's all that does matter. Do you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because if not, you're going one place. And if you do, you're going another. And there, there's, there's no middle ground here. And so that is the end goal. Uh, but I think as, as, as we're kind of talking about 
tonight is, or today, whenever you're listening to this, ultimately what we're trying to get you to realize is if you're, you, it can look like you're doing that, but the reality is you're not, you know? And so ultimately are we willing to accept that what we are trying to accomplish is much better than what we're wanting to? I, you know, I, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. I like it. So we've got three problems that we're going to talk about today when it comes to mass salvation calls. And don't worry, we've got solutions yeah. to these problems. But uh, three problems when it comes to these style mass salvation call style salvations. Uh, you know what? No, let me... Well, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so problem number one, uh, a lot of them or, or many of them involve closing eyes. Yep. And... Uh, you know, like, hey, everybody close your eyes, and then if you want to accept Jesus, raise your hand, that kind of thing. Uh, problem number one is that closing eyes creates anonymity. Uh, you know, when everybody's eyes are closed, it lowers the hindrances for a person to accept Christ. Which and, was the goal when that was first introduced. Right, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, the goal of closing your eyes was to put as few roadblocks between you, new believer, and accepting Jesus as possible. Yep. The problem... With and and I I don't want to say that and people think like oh you want to make salvation tougher for people no but also kind of everyone uh, open and, your eyes and stare <laughs> stare into the <laughs> eyes of the person next to you and then if you want to accept Jesus raise your hand yep uh, that's a that's a great idea uh, no the problem with closing your eyes and that anonymity is that it takes out accountability. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a fair question to ask, you know, are there a lot of fake Christians in today's churches because there is no cost to becoming one, Mm. uh, in, especially in America, like, you know, there are plenty of countries around the world where there is a heavy cost to becoming a Christian in a lot of, like in a lot of America, there is not a cost at all to becoming a Christian. And if everybody else's eyes around me are closed and maybe the pastor on stage and one or two peepers are the only people that are going to know that I'm raising my hand, there is no cost to me becoming a Christian. And if everybody around me sees that I make the decision to accept Jesus, then I cannot hide from it. Everybody else can hold me accountable if they know that I did it, yeah. if they know that I made that decision. And so that, that anonymity that closing your eyes creates, uh, that that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and you see that throughout the gospel too, you know, they would go to these places and God would do miraculous things. And it was a very open thing. You know, everybody knew everybody's business, which there's benefits to that. Uh, you know, because realistically, the community, the kingdom is often equated to the body of Christ, right? Like it's meant to be a unifying thing where we're all in this together. And so you're exactly right. You know, that accountability, um, is, is important and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but these kind of all build on each other as, as you'll find out here, because problem one kind of leads to problem two, so on and so forth. That's true. Problem two, uh, is that mass salvation calls open the door for salvation to happen more than once in a yep. person's life. Yep. Uh, you know, Derek and I were just talking about like, we've both seen this. If you've been in ministry for an extended period of time, you know exactly what we're talking about. You know, bowing your head and closing your eyes and raising your hand if you want to accept Christ. How many times have I seen the same student raise their hand yeah. four, five, six times uh, when we do that? Yeah. Or, 
uh, you know, in a setting, maybe like a summer camp or, or a setting where it's like, you know, going back to a Billy Graham revival tent. Hey, come forward. If you want to accept Jesus, when, when you've got a crowd moving forward, it's easy to get caught up in the emotion of that and the peer pressure of that. Yep. And I'm going to go forward for the 12th time yep. to accept Jesus, or I'm going to go forward and, uh, you know, because I want my friends to see me go forward. Uh, you know, that, that kind of style leads to, I've accepted Jesus Christ more than I, even at camp this past year, uh, you know, we did an offering Mm -hmm. for missions Mm -hmm. and students were given envelopes where they could write up, they, they could write their name on there if they wanted, they could write down the amount of money that they're giving, put the money in the envelope, and then they are bringing it forward and, uh, putting it in a bucket that their youth pastor is holding. Yep. Uh, I had a student come forward and drop an empty envelope with nothing in it and no name on it into that bucket. Yep. Not because obviously there was no money in it, but that student just wanted their friends to see them drop, uh, you know, right. look like they're giving money to missions. Right. And I think that the same thing can happen when it comes to salvations. Like, oh, look at how holy I am. I'm going up for prayer or yep. I'm accepting Christ. Yeah. And to be clear, if you do have those students who are sitting in a room, whether it's you preaching or somebody else, it doesn't matter. But if, if, if the Holy Spirit is just working on them and they are just like feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit of things that, you know, they've done wrong in their life and they want to make it right with Jesus, as we talked about, it's not like this is inherently bad. If you, if you say yes to Jesus and quote unquote, get saved four or five times, that's not inherently a bad thing. Just as we're going to find out here, the goal is, is, is there enough next steps for kids to know? Like, do they really understand when they raise their hand for this? Do they know what they're saying yes to? Do they understand what's like, what this response means? Yeah. Clear. If, if the same student, is accepting Christ multiple times, it means that there is not growth yep. in them. And that's really the underlying problem right. here. You know, the the fact that this supposed salvation moment is happening multiple times for the same kid, that lack of growth is really yeah. the underlying problem there. It's it's not the end of the world, yeah. but we want to move past that. Right, because there's a difference, you know? Like you and I are youth pastors. We've known Jesus for a long time. We've been loving I him sure and serving so. him, right? Like at the end of the day, for you and I, it's the same. We're still coming down to Jesus, forgive me. I want you as my savior. That's something that in different words, you and I say all the time because we are flawed human beings as pastors, believe it or not. We are human beings. But, um, you know, there's a difference there. There's a difference to, I'm asking forgiveness because I'm in Christ, not asking forgiveness because I want to be in Christ. There is a difference there. And so ultimately I think that's where we have to try and draw that distinction because that is growth. You know, that is saying, Hey, I still have some gunk in my life that I want God to remove, but I know it's already taken care of because I trust in Jesus. And that, that is the difference. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, problem number three. Uh, leave. <laughs> this one makes me laugh. Uh, and and everybody's going to know what I mean when I say this. Leaving it up to the student yep. to tell you yep. about their salvation means that you're probably never going to hear you about it. You will never hear about it. <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to like them raising their hand for like, obviously if you're the one on stage and you're looking out cause you didn't follow your own directions and close your eyes, uh, you're, you're going to see who's raising their hand. Yep. 
uh, you know, if, if you're in a larger setting, if you have more students and they're coming down to the front, you might not be able to recognize every single name and mentally remember every single name that's coming forward. And so if you are relying now, this is a personal decision. So at some point the student has to take an initiative anyway. Yep. But if you're just leaving it on them a hundred percent in order to, uh, you know, come and tell you, Hey, I got saved tonight. Yep. Uh, that's a problem. And that those times of spiritual transition are the most vulnerable to Satan's attack. Like first Peter is a great example of this. Uh, he, he opens up, Peter opens up this letter talking about salvation, about that moment of salvation, about the, the hope that is in that moment. And then first Peter 13, he says, therefore prepare your minds for action. Uh, you know, kind of making that transition. Okay. I talked about salvation. Salvation's awesome. Therefore, you know, then you need to prepare your minds for action. And that word prepare basically means to like cinch up your belt, like as though you're getting ready to run so that you don't trip over your cloak that you're wearing. Yeah. Basically what Peter is saying is the battle in your mind is what will trip you up when it comes to salvation. Like students hear they they hear the gospel and they say yes and then they forget about it in a week. I think sometimes they forget about it at night. You know, you probably think, you think about camp, right? Yeah. They they go and have this life changing encounter with God at the altar. But if there's no follow up, you know, they go from this life altering moment with Jesus. Everything is emotional and intense and intimate, and then they jump out of the sanctuary. There's kids running around having pizza, joking around. They go into their cabin. They're joking around and not the not all of them just forget it but like it's crazy how just in a moment it goes mm-hmm. right back yeah. to reality yeah the you know and then that's kind of what leads to the the lack of growth of okay you know the next night now I'm going to get saved again yep uh because you know there was no follow up yep. uh with that with that first one and so i think you know knowing a student knowing what to do next uh is rare in youth ministries, yeah. uh, at least across the country, probably across the world, uh, that follow-up piece is important. And I think that it's lacking a lot when it comes to how mo- most churches run salvation calls. Right. And so inevitably, it's one thing for us just to sit here and say how we're doing it wrong. But, you know, this is... <laughs> no, I think we should end the episode here. Yeah, just, just complain about it, it and then call it good. <laughs> well, and, and I think about how many conversations you and I have had over the summer. I think this has been an episode that's been in the works really for months because you and I have dialogued back and forth about what is that answer? What is that response? Because it, it's not necessarily, well, this is a clear cut idea. You know, there, there, there's various factors to this. And so, you know, we have a few different ideas, but the first logical solution that comes, that comes to mind of, okay, if we're doing it wrong, then what can we do right? And I think we already kind of alluded to this, but it's so important for us to understand that we need to physically teach students what it is that they're getting into, right? Like if we're going to talk about salvation, if we're like, so many times I think we, just because we think we need to put an altar call at the end of our message, we'll be talking about something, you know, maybe it's God moving in your life or miracles, but then at the end, just slap on a salvation call and say like, (laughs) you know, we want to give this opportunity, but like, I think it's, it's so important for us to like, just be honest and clear and direct. Like, all right, y'all, this is what's up. Like if you believe in Jesus, someday, you know, you're going to pass away and that's all that matters. And I, I've even been convicted in the last couple of years of like, like not to just, 
you know, sugarcoat basically what it is that we're talking about. Like this is literally heaven and hell, eternity with Jesus or away from him. And so explain that to your students, right? Explain to them why salvation is important, why salvation is the most important thing. Because if we don't, basically, like we talked about, that seed's going to sprout up quickly. They're going to have that great moment with God at the altar, in your youth ministry, at camp. But as soon as they step out and distractions come back, as soon as they step out and real life comes, it's, it's going to get choked out, right? Like I love that illustration that Jesus gives as a parable in the Gospels. Yeah, my wife and I, the Bible study that we're in, we just did Mark chapter four, which is Jesus's parable about the different types of soil. And so that was kind of on my mind when I was putting together uh, this this show doc. But you know, when when we sugarcoat Christianity and make it sound like it's all rainbows and butterflies, then uh, that kind of leads to our students who they they rise up quickly in their faith and then they get choked out when hard stuff comes, right? Uh, you know, but I also think that, uh, if, if we are not thorough, uh, when it comes to presenting the gospel, uh, and, and other topics too, I think it's important. Like we, I don't want to not give our students enough credit right. when it comes to what they can comprehend and what they can handle from a preaching perspective. Yep. But don't gloss over things that aren't interesting or easy, especially. Don't gloss over things that are hard because if there's no depth to your ministry, then the students are going to leave when they get bored or when a better idea comes along. Again, that's the the seed that was thrown onto like the rocks and then yep. it, it grows up quick and then the wind wipes it away because it didn't have the firm roots. Yep. You know, there are a lot of different things that can go into this, but firm sound preaching that doesn't shy away and and make things better than they are like Christ, yeah following Christ is not great sometimes it it's hard sometimes you have to give up what you want for what Christ wants yep. sometimes and not mentioning any of that almost leads to this like bait and switch method of preaching well, I, I preached this a couple of weeks ago back. You preach bait and switch? Uh, no, I, I could have. <laughs> um, but like, even as we're talking about this, I, 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 you know, as for those of our listeners who are remembering, uh, I recently stepped into a lead pastor position and it's been a blast as I've just been able to kind of, because I think for so long, there's this expectation that the youth messages have to be a, a simpler, more watered down version of what you might hear on Sunday yeah. morning. And that's just straight up lies, you know? Um, but basically what, what I was talking about in this message was my son, who's almost four years old, he's starting to talk now. So, Hey dad, can we do this? Hey dad, can we watch a movie? Hey dad, yada, yada, yada. But he's also learning like proper ways to ask things and like his own personality. So I was telling our church this a few weeks ago, my son said, Hey dad, go get me a snack. And like, it was kind of like a, like a, like a, throwdown of like, you will go and serve me, which obviously did not go well for him. Like, excuse me. Like, that's not how you talk to your dad. But I, the, the turnaround was how many times we treat God that way. Like, God, you need to do this for me. God, like do this in my life. Take me out of this When In reality, we need to be asking ourselves, God, what would you have me do? And we need to be doing the same thing with our students of like, guys, we're not, God doesn't serve us here. You know, we're here to serve the Lord. And, and just kind of going back to they need to know when they're saying yes to Jesus what that actually means. Yeah, if Jesus was just here, if God was just here to pluck you out of all of your terrible situations. You'd never grow. You would absolutely never grow. There'd be no perseverance. 
uh, you know, which is something that we're going to get to twice later on, which is funny, uh, that perseverance might possibly have a big role to play in our faith. Yep. Uh, who'd have thought? Um, I, I think that that's absolutely, absolutely critical. Um, okay. So step two, uh, you know, another solution that I think that we can offer, uh, is, you know, salvation, that salvation decision for a student being one that they reach on their own time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it makes me think of, and I've never heard somebody do this with salvation necessarily. I have seen preachers do this with finances where it's like, Hey, nobody's leaving this room until we give $10,000 to missions or, you know, nobody's leaving this room until I have enough money to buy my yacht as a pastor. Uh, what's wrong with that? (laughs) Um, different things like that, uh, are, like I've never heard a pastor say like we aren't leaving here until twenty people get saved. Right. I don't think I've ever heard that. Does not mean that it's never happened. I would bet a lot of money that it's happened well, somewhere at least once. Communicated that way, but there might be a part of that pastor's heart that is right. Thinking yeah. That. Like we we have to hit this certain quota. Yeah. Almost every yep. service of X number of people getting saved, and you know the the example that comes to my mind like if if you are a youth pastor and you are like 10 kids are getting saved every night and your youth ministry averages 25 kids at after three weeks, the math is off, (laughs) right? Like either kids are getting saved more than once. Yeah. Kids are getting saved and then not coming back. Yep. Or they're just lying. You know, that that's a, all three of those are, are a problem. Right. And so, you know, it, a salvation doesn't have to happen that night. Yeah. Uh, it might start the ball rolling in their mind and they end up accepting Christ three days later, uh, you know, late at night while they're in their room by themselves, listening to some worship music. I think that trying to, like, we're not trying to pump up our numbers here. Like it's their decision. It's not your decision as the pastor. And youth pastor does an encouragement to you. This might not happen for decades. You know, like seriously, I mean, I, I feel like we talk about seeds. You're talking about, you know, the parable of Jesus planting the seeds. And I know that it's a different context and everything else. But in youth ministry, you might never see that person come to know the Lord. But that doesn't mean they won't. It just might not happen under your leadership. And that's okay. But you being faithful, you preaching the word time in and time out and being there for that student might be the very seed they needed that God just watered and brought up in his own time. So I have a adult volunteer that is going to start with our youth ministry and I'm super excited for, for it's a husband and wife. I'm super excited for both of them to start. Uh, he is a businessman and, uh, it kind of made me laugh. He, he basically like he is, he is very, very smart. Uh, he's a financial guy. He's, uh, he is like, like, he's definitely somebody that I look up to in our community. He is super smart. He's super generous. He's super awesome. Uh, and so I, as a youth pastor, I want to like, like I almost feel a little bit of pressure to steward his time. Well, sure. You know, as one of my volunteers, because I know that he could do just about anything he wanted. Yep. And I was talking to him about, you know, helping out with our youth ministry 
And he was looking for somewhere in the church to get involved, didn't know what. And he made the comment like, you know, I, I, as like coming from that business background, like I want to volunteer somewhere where I can like, like it almost sounds bad, but I want to like see a return on my investment. And I was like, dude, youth ministry might not be for you. Oh man. (laughs) It's just, it was so funny. And like, that's not necessarily how he meant what he said. Right. Uh, But like he basically, he was just saying like, I want to, I want to, volunteer in a deeper way yeah. than serving donuts. Yep. Uh, you know, something like that, which is important too. Uh, ish. Uh, there's a vending machine that could also serve anyways. Uh, <laughs> I feel uh, like you were just digging yourself in a hole and you were trying to dig yourself back I'm, out. I'm, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, our kids pastor and I talk about the, we're getting off topic. I don't care. Our, our kids pastor and I talk about this from time to time. Like when it comes to somebody being a greeter on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. or somebody uh, running a camera on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. or serving with the donut team on a Sunday morning, all of those things, uh, just about any volunteer could do sure. if they have the heart for it. Sure. Uh, volunteering in a youth ministry or a kids ministry, there are more hoops that yeah. we want our volunteers to jump through. Like just because you tell me, Hey, I want to volunteer in youth does not mean that I'm going to give you like the highest pedestal volunteer position that we have. Right. Because I mean, even legally there are some people that should not be volunteering in a kid's ministry. You know, that's, that's a, maybe a, uh, conversation that we should have at some point, uh, on the podcast, Next but episode. there are, there are a lot of, uh, you know, things that go into that. But anyways, uh, that, that was a rabbit trail. We had our first rabbit trail of season two. Uh, we are, what are we? 37 minutes into the episode. I feel like we're actually pretty, pretty late. Good. Like that's, that's pretty yeah. good for our, our first rabbit trail. Um, so yeah, just making sure, bring it all the way back, making sure that that salvation decision isn't one that we are forcing. Yeah. Uh, we want to give students that opportunity on a regular basis, but we don't want to force it <laughs> into their lives. Um, all right. Another solution that we came up with is that salvation shouldn't be something that's hidden. Yeah. Uh, you know, encouraging instead of, you know, Hey, if you want to accept Jesus, raise your hand. One solution might be, encouraging students to go and talk to a leader if they want to accept Jesus. And by them initiating that conversation, they have already made that decision. Yep. 99% of the time. And so this is something that we started doing with our youth leaders is training our youth leaders in that moment to simply pray over the student. Uh, you know, asking them point blank, like, do you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior in your life? And if I've done a good job preaching or whoever was preaching, if we've done a good job, they know what that means. So they can answer clearly yes or no. And then I have kind of four things that I just encourage my youth leaders to pray over them on. Uh, you know, one thing is to praise God for, for their decision to kind of submit their lives to him. Uh, prayer, praying for strength, uh, praying for perseverance. I told you it was going to pop up again. And then praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in their lives. You know, those are kind of the, some of the things that we encourage leaders to pray over them uh, in that moment. Uh, and, and then kind of going from there and it'll kind of bleed into solution number four here. But I think that having that personal connection in that salvation moment and receiving prayer in that salvation moment is not a bad thing either, especially a personalized prayer. If they've got a relationship with you or with one of your other adult volunteers, uh, you know, that can pray over them in that moment. That's huge. I love this idea because then it also eliminates that problem of you don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't know who is 
actually saying yes because they're not yeah. going to tell you, you know. But when you have your leader who says, "Hey, so and so gave their life to Jesus tonight," now you know, and now this person now has this to go back to that whole seed thing. Like now this was a defining set in stone moment because it's one thing for you to be like, okay, I felt and had this experience internally, but the enemy, as you had mentioned in isolation can, you know, bring that up so easily. Like it was just emotional. It was just a good song. Whereas like, no, when you prayed that prayer with somebody else, it was like a defining forging moment for them that they can go back to. And so now you have accountability you have fortification of this moment in their life that they will always have. And it's something that now you as the youth pastor now know. Yep. So now as we talk about step four here, you know exactly who to go to to really kind of you know set this in stone and make this a permanent thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, solution number four uh, is ha- basically, okay, now what? You know, having a plan for what happens next. Uh, and, and I love, you know, this This kind of goes right into it. Like we do our connect groups with our students on the end of most of our Wednesday nights. And so if you are just coming off of a response time where a leader and a student pray, you know, prayed and that student accepted Christ, walking into connect group and celebrating that, that's a huge moment. And that can be a huge win. Um, you know, having a leader that can follow up with the student later that week and to encourage them again, to ask if they have any questions. I think that that can be really important as well. Giving them a resource to dive into, uh, is, is another kind of next step that I think is super important. Uh, one of the things that, uh, like if you have, uh, access to right now media, you know, there might be a video series that you want to recommend to, uh, to your students right after they have that, you know, salvation moment in their lives. Uh, there's a, there's a resource called the Bible project. Uh, so good. they have videos on YouTube. They also have an app. Uh, it does an incredible job of breaking down topics, but also books of the Bible specifically, uh, it's such a clear way to, you it, know, it, yeah. it's not some guy who just goes on and you lose track of him after five minutes. It's like a comprehensive video that draws your attention. And, and it's well you. illustrated as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's such a good way of, I mean, cause sometimes, you know, the Bible can be such as, I mean, it's a huge book, right? 66 yep. different books. And, you know, people go, I don't even know how to begin to read this or, or break this down, but they do such a good job of, you know, so much things that so many things are visual these days, everything on our, on our phones, everywhere around us, there's always this visual content. So it just, it really helps kind of tie the Bible together and break things down in a way so that when you actually open it up and you kind of know what the themes are and, and what to be looking for, and there's a familiarity that just kind of gives you some confidence as you open it up. Yeah, absolutely. So those are great resources, but also, like just straight up the Bible. Yeah. Uh, you know, having an answer to, Hey, I'm a new Christian. What book should I read? Yep. Uh, is, is a really good idea. You know, one of the ones that like Derek mentioned before we hit record Matthew, mm-hmm. uh, being a really good comprehensive, uh, gospel. So you get, you know, Jesus, obviously, yeah. uh, like that's a really great one to start with. Uh, another one that I love giving out is James, uh, because of how practical it is. And it's short. It's only and five chapters. That's true. That's very true, very short. And what do they talk about right away? Perseverance. Yeah. Told you it was going to come up twice. Uh, and so that's that's super important too. 
But something I, I mentioned to Kyle, this is something I almost always follow this step up with because if you do, if you do know this student, like pray that prayer with them. I think that is obviously step number one, but like we got to get them into the word because like that is how they're going to truly let their faith grow. Um, I'm a firm believer that like just getting students anchored in the word is so important, but something I am very intentional about almost everything I try to do is finding a translation that works for your student because so many students are like, okay, cool. Like I know I need to read the Bible. So they go home and they dust off their grandfather's old King James version and they open it up and they're like, wow, I don't understand the lick of this. And that's, that's not a dig on the King James version, but I think so many students go home and go, I know I'm supposed to be reading this, but I just don't understand it. Cool. Neither do I. So here's what I read. You know, I read the NIV, I read the NLT youth pastors if it's a matter of your students getting into the message version, that's all they can understand, empower them in that, right? Like I, we, we've had an episode on this and go back and listen to it, but we have a whole perspective on translations. But if it's a matter of getting into the word or not, and the message is the only way they get into, get behind them and get them in the word because that is how they are going to grow. And so, um, you know, you might, as a youth pastor, you might have to take money out of your youth budget. If they don't have a Bible, buy them one, show them you version. Like you, your job as the youth pastor is to help get them into the word. And part of that is showing them where to go. As Kyle said, Matthew, James is really good. Uh, Psalms is also really good. If, if someone's going through a tough moment, Psalms is just so real. Uh, it has real emotions in it too. It's not my first choice. I think Matthew is just so comprehensive. I love that. But uh, show them where to go. Show them the Bible they, that works for them. Um, and if they don't have access to it, get them access. It is worth your money and your budget. Um, I believe God honors that. If you want to pay for it out of your pocket even, like whether it's you version on their phone or an actual hard copy, like supply them and show them where to get into the word. Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, some bi- some Bibles on hand all the time. That uh, and I also I almost have two different Bibles. This might I I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I basically have two different Bibles that I'll hand out to. Like I just have normal Bibles, but I also have a box of study Bibles. Mm. And it's almost like you are you like a brand new Christian? And I've never met you anymore before. Like here's a Bible. If you're like one of our more established students and you're looking to go deeper, here's a study Bible. Yep. Uh, don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that, that's kind of how I ended up doing it. Yeah. Um, I will also just briefly mention uh, it was episode thirty. Okay. Uh, if if anybody wants to go back and listen, episode thirty, we did talk more in depth about uh, translations, uh, which ones are our favorites, which ones. Uh, I looked back at the show doc and I'm pretty sure our quick question that day was, uh, which translation of the Bible will you go to hell for the using? Uh, which is hilarious. In true fashion. Uh, us. <laughs> I don't remember if we actually had that question, but <laughs> if we did, that's hilarious. Uh, there are, I can definitely think of, uh, some translations off the top of my head. They're not like, I vaguely remember we went into the weeds about like all the obscure translations out there. Yeah. And like got, the, like, the really, really slanted the ones. Yeah. I don't remember if I said this or not, but there's a translation called the LOL cat Bible. Uh, it is so funny. Oh my goodness. I, I love it. But anyways, uh, that's, that's kind of, uh, the, the summary, uh, when it comes to salvation calls, you know, are they terrible? No. Uh, you know, just because they're not strictly biblical doesn't mean they're a bad thing at all. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, Derek and I want to always be improving, always yeah. be getting better. 
And so if we can tweak our salvation, our mass salvation calls to something that's a little bit more personal to the student, something that we are better at following up on, uh, and uh, something that's going to produce actual growth in our students and not just stagnate them, uh, that's definitely something that I think is worth looking into. So that does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And I don't know about Derek, but I think I need to go find a big old bag of Doritos and get ready for some football tonight. Goodbye. Goodbye.